Volume the Third, Chapter Fifteen of Helen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jyoti Taravanat. Helen by Maria Edgeworth. Volume the Third, Chapter Fifteen. After settling down Lady Cecilia at her mother's, the aunt and niece proceeded to the picture sale which Miss Clarendon was eager to attend, as she was in search of a pendant to a famous Burgum she possessed. And while she was considering the picture, she had the advantage of hearing a story which seemed indeed to be told for the amusement of the whole room by a party of fashionables who were standing near her a wonderful story of a locket which was going about it was variously told but all agreed in one point that a young married lady of high rank had never dared to appear in the world since her husband had seen this locket in her hands it had brought out something something which had occurred before marriage and here mysterious knots were interchanged another version stated that the story had not yet been fully explained to the husband that he had found the locket on the table in a room which he had suddenly entered where he discovered her kneeling to the person in question the person in question being sometimes a woman and sometimes a man then leaned forward stretching her scraggy neck one who had good reason to believe that the husband would soon speak out the public would soon hear of a separation and everybody must be satisfied that there could not be a separation without good grounds miss clarendon inquired from a gentleman near them who the lady was with the outstretched scraggy neck lady catherine halsky miss clarendon knew her only by reputation she did not know miss clarendon either by reputation or by sight and she went on to say she would venture any wager that the separation would take place within a month in short there could be no doubt that before marriage and she ended with a look which gave a death blow to her reputation exceedingly shocked miss clarendon not only from a sense of justice to lady cecilia but from feeling for her brother's honour longed to reply in defence but she constrained herself for once and having been assured by lady cecilia that all had been confessed to her mother she thought that lady davenant must be the best person to decide what should be done she went to her house immediately sent in word that she begged to see lady davenant for two or three minutes alone was admitted cecilia immediately vacated the chair beside her mother's bed and left the room miss clarendon felt some difficulty in the beginning but she forced herself to repeat all she had heard then lady davenant started up in her bed and the colour of life spread over her face. Thank you, thank you, Miss Clarendon. A second time I have to thank you for an inestimable service. 
it is well for cecilia that she made the whole truth known to us both made you her friend now we can act for her i will have that locket from madame de saint simon before the sun goes down now lady davenant had madame de saint simon completely in her power from her acquaintance with a disgraceful transaction which had come to her knowledge at florence the locket was surrendered returned with humble assurances that madame de saint simon now perfectly understood the thing in its true light and was quite convinced it had been stolen not given lady davenant glanced over her note with scorn and was going to throw it from her into the fire but did not when miss clarendon called upon her again that evening as she had appointed she showed it to her and desired that she would when her brother arrived next day tell him that she had heard what davenot had done and how the locket was now in her possession some people who pretend to know maintain that the passion of love is of such an all-engrossing nature that it swallows up every other feeling but we who judge more justly of our kind oh differently and rather believe that love in generous natures imparts a strengthening power a magnetic touch to every good feeling helen was incapable of being perfectly happy while her friend was miserable and even bicolic in spite of all the suffering she had caused could not help pitying lady cecilia and he heartily wished the general could be reconciled to her yet it was a matter in which he could not properly interfere he did not attempt it lady davenant determined to give a breakfast to all the bridal party after the marriage in her state of health helen and cecilia remonstrated but lady davenant had resolved upon it and at last they agreed it would be better than parting at the church door better that she should at her own house take leave of helen and bicolec who would set out immediately after the breakfast for thorndale and now equipages were finished and wedding paraphernalia sent home the second time that wedding dresses had been furnished for miss stanley and never once were those looked at by the bride-elect not even by cecilia but to see that all was as it should be that scene she sighed and passed on felicity's ecstasies were no more to be heard we forget to mention that she had before helen's return from lancelin departed dismissed in disgrace and happy was it for lady cecilia and helen
to be relieved from her jabbering and not exposed to her spying and reporting nevertheless the gloom that hung over the world above could not but be observed by the world below it was however naturally accounted for by lady davenant's state of the health and by the anxiety which lady cecilia must feel for the general who as it had been officially announced by mr cockburn was to set out on foreign service the day after the marriage lady cecilia notwithstanding the bright hopefulness of her temper and her habits of sanguine belief that all would end well in which she and her good fortune had any concern seemed now in this respect to have changed her nature and ever since her husband's denunciations had continued quite resigned to misery and submissive to the fate which she thought she had deserved she was much employed in attendance upon her mother and thankful that she was so permitted to be she never mentioned her husband's name and if she alluded to him or to what had been decreed by him it was with an emotion that scarcely dared to touch the point she spoke most of her child and seemed to look to the care of him as her only consolation the boy had been brought from kensington for lady davenant to see and was now at her house cecilia once said she thought he was very like his father and hoped that he would at least take leave of his boy at the last to that last hour that hour when she was to see her husband once more when they were to meet but to part to meet first at the wedding ceremony and at a breakfast in public company altogether painful it must be yet she looked forward to it with a sort of longing ardent impatience true it will be dreadful yet still still i shall see him again see him once again and he cannot part with his one so dear cecilia without some word some look different from his last the evening before the day on which the wedding was to be lady cecilia was in lady davenant's room sitting beside the bed while her mother slept suddenly she was startled from her still and ever the same recurring train of melancholy thoughts by a sound which had often made her heart beat with joy her husband's knock she ran to the window opened it and was out on the balcony in an instant his horse was at the door he had alighted and was going up the steps she leaned over the rails of the balcony and as she leaned a flower she wore 
broke off. It fell at the general's feet. He looked up, and their eyes met. There he stood, waiting on those steps, some minutes, for an answer to his inquiry how Lady Davenant was, and when the answer was brought out by Elliot, whom, as it seemed, he had desired to say, he remounted his horse and rode away without ever looking up at the balcony. Lady Davenant had wakened, and when Cecilia returned on hearing her voice, her mother, as the light from the half-open shutters shone upon her face, saw that she was in tears. She kneeled down by the side of the bed and wept bitterly. She made her mother understand how it had been. Not that I hoped more, but still, so to feel it so. Oh, mother, I am bitterly punished. The Lady Davenant, seizing those clasped hands and raising herself in her bed, fixed her eyes earnestly upon Cecilia and asked, Would you, Cecilia, tell me, would you, if it were now this moment in your power, would you retract your confession? Retract? Impossible. Do you repent, regret having made it, Cecilia? Repent, regret having made it? No, mother, no, replied Cecilia firmly. I only regret that it was not sooner made. Retract? Impossible. I could wish to retract the only right thing I have done, the only thing that redeems me in my inmost soul from uttermost contempt. No, rather would I be as I am, and lose that noble heart, than hold it as I did unworthily. There is, mother, as you said, as I feel, a sustaining, a redeeming power in truth. Her mother threw her arms round her. Come to my heart, my child, close, close to my heart. Heaven bless you. You have my blessing, my thanks, Cecilia. Yes, my thanks. For now I know, I feel, my dear daughter, that my neglect of you in childhood has been repaired. You make me forgive myself. You make me happy. You have my thanks, my blessings, my warmest blessings. A smile of delight was on her face and tears ran down as Cecilia answered, Oh, mother, mother, blind that I have been, why did not I sooner know this tenderness of your heart? And why, my child, did I not sooner know you? The fault was mine, the suffering has been yours, 
not yours alone, though. Suffer no more for me, mother. For now, after this, come what may, I can bear it. I can be happy, even if... Then she paused, and then, eagerly, looking into her mother's eyes, she asked, What do you say, mother, about him? Do you think I may hope? I dare not bid you hope, replied her mother. Do you bid me despair? No. Despair in this world is only for those who have lost their own esteem, who have no confidence in themselves, for those who cannot repent, reform, and trust. My child, you must not despair. Now leave me to myself, continued she. Open a little more of the shutter and put that book within my reach. As soon as Miss Clarendon heard that her brother had arrived in town, she hastened to him, and as Lady Davenant had desired, told him of all the reports that were in circulation, and of all that Lady Cecilia had spontaneously confided to her. Esther watched his countenance as she spoke, and observed that he listened with eager attention to the proofs of exactness in Cecilia, but he said nothing, and whatever his feelings were, his determination she could not doubt, was still unshaken. Even she did not dare to press his confidence. Miss Clarendon reported to Lady Davenant that she had obeyed her command, and she described as nearly as she could all that she thought her brother's countenance expressed. Lady Davenant seemed satisfied, and this night she slept, as she told Cecilia in the morning, better than she had done since she returned to England, and this was the day of trial. The hour came, and Lady Davenant was in the church with her daughter. This marriage was to be, as described in olden times, celebrated with all the luster and pomp imaginable, and so it was, for Helen's sake, Helen, the pale bride. Beautiful! The whispers ran as she appeared, but too pale. Leaning on General Clarendon's arm, she was led up the aisle to the altar. He felt the tremor of her arm on his, but she looked composed and almost firm. She saw no one individual of the assembled numbers, not even Cecilia or Lady Davenant. She knelt at the altar beside him, to whom she was to give her faith, and General Clarendon, in the face of all the world, proudly gave her to his ward, and she, without fear, low and distinctly pronounced the sacred vow. And as Helen rose from her knees, the sun shone out, and a ray of light was on her face and it was lovely. Every heart said so. Every heart 
but Lady Catherine Huskby's. And why do you think of her at such moment? And why does Lady Davenant think of her at such a moment? Yet she did. She looked to see if she was present, and bade her to the breakfast. And now all the salutations were given and received, and all the murmur of congratulations rising, the living tide poured out of the church, then the noise of carriages, and all drove after Lady Davenant's, and Lady Davenant had gone through it also for well, and Lady Cecilia knew it had been, and her eyes had been upon her husband, and her heart had been full of another day, when she had knelt beside him at the altar. And did he, too, think that of that day? She could not tell. His countenance discovered no emotion. His eyes never once turned to her place where she stood. And she was now to see him for one hour, but one hour longer, and at a public breakfast, and was still she was to see him. And now they are all at breakfast. The attention of some was upon the bride and bridegroom, of others on Lady Cecilia and on the general, of others on Lady Davenant, and of many on themselves. Lady Davenant had Buccleric on one side, General Clarendon on the other, and her daughter opposite him. Lady Catherine was there, with her tristeful visage, as Churchill justly called it, and more tristeful it presently became. When breakfast was over, seizing her a moment when conversation flagged, and when there was a pause implying what is to be said or done next, Lady Davenant rose from her seat with an air of preparation and somewhat solemnly. All eyes were instantly upon her. She drew out a locket which she held up to public view. Then turning to Lady Catherine Hawksby, she said, This bauble has been much talked of, I understand, by your ladyship, but I question whether you have ever yet seen it, or know the truth concerning it. This locket was stolen by a worthless man, given by him to a worthless woman, from whom I have obtained it, and now I give it to the person for whom it was originally intended. She advanced towards Helen and put it round her neck. This done, her colour flitted, her hand was suddenly pressed to her heart. Yet she commanded, absolutely commanded. The proxism of pain, the general was at her side, her daughter Helen, and Buclerc were close to her instantly. She was just able to walk. She slowly left the room, and was no more seen by the world. She suffered herself 
to be carried up the steps into her own apartment by the general who laid her on the sofa in her dressing-room she looked round on them and saw that all were there whom she loved but there was an alteration in her appearance which struck them all and most the general he had least expected it she held out her hand to him and fixed her eyes upon him with deathful expression calmly smiled and said you would not believe this could be but now you see it must be and soon we have no time to lose continued she and moving very cautiously and feebly she half raised herself yes she said a moment is granted to me thank heaven she rose with sudden power and threw herself on her knees at the general's feet it was done before he could stop her for god's sake cried he lady tavernet i conjure you she would not be raised no said she here i die if i appeal to you in vain to your justice general clarendon to which as far as i know none ever appealed in vain and shall i be the first a mother for her child a dying mother for your wife for my dear cecilia once dearer to you his face was instantly covered with his hands not to your love continued she if that be gone to your justice i appeal and must be heard if you are what i think you if you are not why go go instantly go and leave your wife innocent as she is to be deemed guilty part from her at the moment when the only fault she committed has been repaired throw her from you when by the sacrifice of all that was dear to her she has proved her truth yes you know that she has spoken the whole the perfect truth i know it exclaimed he give her up to the whole world of slanderers destroy her character if now her husband separate from her her good name is lost for ever if now her husband protect her not her husband turned and clasped her in his arms lady davenant rose and blessed him blessed them both they knelt beside her and she joined her hands now said she i give my daughter 
to a husband worthy of her and she more worthy of that noble heart than when first his her only fault was mine my early neglect it is repaired i die in peace you make my last moments the happiest helen my dearest helen now and not till now happy perfectly happy in love and truth end of volume the third chapter 15 recording by jyoti tharavanat end of helen by maria edgeworth